0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Retire Once Show. I'm your host Jonathan Rankin, the founder and CEO of Theorem Wealth Management. Very happy to be here. We are in the midst of summer; the fun heat is upon us. And today, we're going to be talking about setting yourself up for retirement success, both financially and mentally. And we know that's a big part of it, but uh, before we jump into any of that, now what do we want people to do? We
1: want you to subscribe. We want you to never miss one of these amazing episodes or, you know, our take on the weather.
0: That's right. You know, take on the weather and our weekly retirement newsletter comes out every Friday. So make sure you hit the subscribe button, join the newsletter, join the show. Uh, we're happy to be here. And yeah, our take on the weather. I mean, it's hot. <laughs> it's I, did hot. See, <laughs> I did see some reprieve for that with uh, Costco now coming out with their uh, Halloween stuff. You know, they, they started putting that out on the shelves. So. It's hard to
1: think about, like, face painting or anything like that or walking around in a full-blown costume, even with the kids, just walking around the block. I can't even imagine that when it's this hot out.
0: Yeah, I, see, I feel like this is the one thing that makes me feel older and older every single year is I complain Louder and louder about how early they're actually starting to put things on shelves. You but, know? I mean,
1: come on. It's super early. For I mean, we're October. In
0: July and now we're putting out Halloween stuff and it's just, you know, we just know Labor Day is coming, which means Christmas stuff, holiday stuff is going to be on the shelves and we're going to be complaining. But then you realize there are still people out there that October 31st are putting together a homemade costume for their kids because they couldn't make it to the store over the past four months. You know the the target had a little bit
1: of time is what you're
0: saying they had a little bit of time I mean if you're the you know the store, whether you're target Walmart Costco, you name it, they're thinking, hey, look, we gave you four months. How long do you need? I mean if you can't get a costume or some Christmas gifts by then, I don't know what it's gonna take so <laughs> So
1: just like we don't want you to be unprepared for, you know, any time of year, Halloween, Christmas or whatever, we also don't want you to be unprepared for retirement. That's right. So (laughs) we'll bring it right back on track. Let's (laughs) let's dive right
0: in. Uh, First thing we want to talk about today is an article that I came across. Uh, The title of the article was, your standard of living in retirement is largely determined by this surprising thing. I wonder what it is. Surprising. Very surprising. And they talked about the single biggest detriment having more importance than all other factors combined is the performance of the stock and bond markets? Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I yeah. understand that. That makes sense. I, I don't. I, you know think the article title was a little bit more deceiving. Oh, I
1: was like that was the surprising part. That was
0: the surprising part is that oh. the performance of the stock and bond markets are going to basically determine your standard of living. Yes, everything that we do for retirement, whether it's nowadays or even going back when there were pensions had some sort of rate of return that was needed to achieve that success. But the problem with that is that you have no control, so...
1: It's really out of your hands. So,
0: I, you know, I don't know if the article was talking about, hey, well, you know, you, retirement success is out of your hands, which I don't think, you know, neither one of us believes. It is
1: I mean, yeah. I guess it's kind of...
0: Well, way either way, it. it shows, you know, this chart that we'll put up on the screen here uh, shows how the correlation how close the correlation is between stock and bond markets and, on the other hand, the return of retirement portfolios. And they move in lockstep, which shocking. kind of <laughs> makes sense simply because, you know, as we've progressed, especially over these years, uh, the more and more, uh, I would say, uh, use of target date funds has been, you know, which brings people closer to that 60-40 portfolio. But why I bring all this up because yes we all know market performance is going to dictate standard livings in retirement at some point you know if most people aren't retiring from cash that they just saved in their bank you know even or under
1: the mattress or whatever
0: if they who does that
1: i don't know but they always say that
0: do people do that and if you're yeah breaking bad does that
1: but oh yeah
0: But, you know, you're not, I I don't think anybody's running a breaking bad scheme. If you are, you're probably not watching this or listening to this. You're
1: probably not concerned about your retirement, honestly.
0: (laughs) Okay, so the the reason why I brought this up is because the uh, the author had these very interesting market forecasts. So his forecast for the bond market over the next 10 years, he's expecting a 4.8% rate of return. Okay. Sounds pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm. 4.8% Four point eight percent in bonds would be nice, a lot more than what we got from you know two thousand nine through last year. So you know, pretty good. pretty great return. Uh stocks, on the other hand, uses eight indicators. And he's expecting a nominal rate of return of an annual rate of one point three percent between now and twenty thirty-three. One point three percent. One point three percent. So in total, the sixty forty portfolio would deliver a 2.7% annualized rate of return. Now, we talked about, you know, the 60-40 portfolio before. Is it, you know, still relevant? You name it. Now, I think anything with returns like that, you know, might be a little challenging.
1: Which is interesting because I actually came across um, a 2023 Natixis Global Survey of individual investors who expected an annual return of over 15.6%, which is down, from the exceedingly high seventeen point five percent
0: yeah i I would love to have a conversation with the individual investors who were expecting 17. a seventeen and a half percent rate of return, but even fifteen point six percent that
1: 's still really high
0: so on one hand, you have investor expectations and then you have you know a market forecaster in his point seven so somewhere in the middle. You know, there's it's
1: a big range.
0: There is. My favorite part about this article is that he pointed out that since 1793, the U.S. stock market average rate of return has been 6.1% annualized. And the long-term treasury rate has been about 4% annualized. So those are the rates of return going back to
1: 1793. 1793. Very relevant. I was going to say, I feel like he's he's just throwing numbers out there then.
0: Very relevant. I, I really... There's got to be a cap on when statistics can just be over you know no longer relevant.
1: 1793 you're kind of like I mean okay that
0: I feel like the 1700s we just wipe any of those statistics. I feel like the 1800s. There's got to be Yeah, 1800s even. I think like a rolling 80 year period. But
1: like keep it relevant.
0: It's got to be somewhat relevant. Yeah, a little more timely. 1793? I, mean, I mean. Yeah, because they're just 1793 is not relevant. I mean, it I is, think, but it isn't. I think that, like, 1910 is still not really relevant, but, I mean, we use it. It just feels (laughs) like... Even that
1: feels a little bit more relevant than... Oh, and dating back to 1793. Yeah. I mean...
0: I mean, like I said, I think, like, a good 70, 80 years is a good generational period, but that's just just my take on it. But uh, there was an interesting chart by Davis Advisors that showed the worst 10-year periods for stocks, And, and I wanted to find this because I was wondering... Okay, how, how realistic is this guy's forecast? Is there a possibility that he's right? You know, we have obviously know that over a course of a 10-year period, the odds of having growth is going to be, you know, goes up as you, as you get longer in the tooth. But uh, it did show the worst 10-year period. So we had 29 through 1938 at negative 1.7%. Makes sense. Right. We got the Great Depression there. 1930 through 1939, basically flat. Okay, that makes sense. 65 through 74, 1.2%. And then most recently, which you know, we'll actually use as a barometer, we'll 2002 we'll to it. 2011, uh, or 2011, 2.9% rate of return. So there have been periods of you know a 10-year underperformance. So just because you know, over the last 10 years, we've had pretty good re- performance doesn't necessarily mean the next 10 years are going to be great or that stocks over the course of a you know 10-year period do well but most people they are not planning for a 10-year retirement i wouldn't think I wouldn't, yeah i wouldn't hope i would hope and so you know what about 20 years you know i think it's
1: a little more realistic
0: and so found this chart by crestmont research going back to 1919 so okay still in my relevant window <laughs> thank god do you use 1910 as relevancy here just for for my sake uh, now this shows all 20-year periods have been positive, so that's good. That's good. Uh, the lowest rate of return, on average, for a 30-year period or a 20-year period, was two percent, a little less than that, and that was ending in 1949. Now you have to think that included the Great Depression, World War II. To me, that makes sense. That,
1: yeah, that tracks. Now,
0: aside from that, the annualized return average was between 5.1 percent up to 15.4 percent.
1: Okay, no, that's pretty good.
0: So back to the you know the expectations and the statistics uh, survey, there have been times where there's been a twenty year period where, where it's it, happened. Yeah, fifteen point four percent has happened. So, but that
1: seventeen point five is still yeah, it's still still way out there, way out there. Uh,
0: almost ninety percent of the time, the annual returns were seven percent or higher. So. That's a, that's a nice, solid rate of return 90% of the time. Now, people, like I said, they're not planning a 10-year retirement, hopefully not a 20-year retirement. We didn't even talk about 30 years.
1: We didn't even get into that. We didn't even get into that
0: because over the, a 30-year period, the worst, the worst 30-year return was a total gain of a whopping... Only eight hundred and fifty percent.
1: Only only eight
0: hundred and fifty percent. And that's going back to nineteen twenty-six.
1: Still in the time.
0: Still in the time. That's right. Still in my relevancy yep. period. The annual return was seven point eight percent. Now this included the peak you bought basically at the peak of the roaring twenties. So you yeah, had that big boom, you're buying right at the peak of that. And at one point you would have lost more than 80% of your investment and still made only. Eight hundred and fifty percent.
1: Still, I mean, it makes you wonder how many people would have actually held on during that time.
0: I think. I mean, you get to that point where once you're down, I would say over eighty percent, you just go, "Well, what's it gonna? What's I'll gonna? Just what, see am, this what am I gonna do by <laughs> cashing it out? I mean, you think of if you had a hundred dollars and it's down to fifteen, you kind of go, well, "What's fifteen dollars gonna do this? What? What am I gonna cash Guess this out? I'll just up? leave well, it there. Yeah, but. I think aside from just holding, and we've seen this happen with large tech companies, whether it's Amazon or Apple, where they've had periods of these major corrections, and obviously they've done quite well for themselves. I think uh, Apple's doing okay these days. I think so, uh, but not just if you held. I think about could you have kept buying? You know, we we talk about how, you know before in previous episodes how a big part of retirement is just continuing to buy. You know how Being people consistent. have have stopped their contributions, have reduced their contributions because of bad times in the economy. We've seen that. Well, if you've gone through Great Depression, World War II, Two. and you know, my guess is that what else happened between 1926 and 1956? My guess is a lot of other lot things of stuff, happened yeah. <laughs> that probably weren't the most positive headlines. Could you have continued to contribute to your retirement? And I think all this just at least shows me that there's always headlines and things that are going to be bad,
1: always, always. always. And we've talked
0: about this before. You can't control that. Remember last year, it was well. This war in Ukraine is going to uh, it's going to cause everything to global meltdown. It's Going
1: to affect us. Going to affect everything. Yep.
0: But yet now we have oil prices back below their all time highs, well off their all time highs. We've you know had the market recover to a certain degree. So, you know, this is not about trying to time anything or it's you really can't no you focus on what you can control i think if you take anything away from what i take away from this article was focus on what you can control you can't control what the stock market's going to do and this guy's right and we have another 10 year number of you know what do you say one point uh
1: one point something
0: I, yeah 2.7 uh, percent would be the total oh yeah, 60 40 uh, annualized rate of return so 2.7 percent, and if you get 2.7 percent over the next 10 years all right. Well, one thing is for sure: you have to continue to contribute,
1: and you might want to start putting in a little bit more.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, there just you go. if you can. Yeah, it, if you can, if you can save more, that you know, at least get up to that match because that's going to help at least, you. Yes. So focus on what you control, which is saving, your spending, and then how often you're planning. Because we're going to have periods of underperformance. We're going to go through bear markets and recessions. And guess what? We always talk. We talked about it last year, next year. Do you know what next year is? Mm. Oh, I'm so excited. It's a presidential election. Oh, right. So you know the questions are coming. It's uh it's kind of like right now it's July and Costco's coming out with their Halloween stuff. So come Labor Day, they're gonna start rolling out their Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. Come November, the questions are gonna start coming in. How's the political, how's the presidential election going to impact the markets? It oh, always I, happens. Always happens every every two years because of the midterms, but every four years for sure. So uh, looking forward to getting to that one. But just in advance, a spoiler alert, don't sell all your investments because of (laughs) whoever is going to be running or sitting in the presidential office. There's no need. I just wouldn't do it. Don't do it. Not good advice. no, No, don't do that. No, do not sell all of your investments because there's a presidential election coming up next year. Absolutely, so that's uh but let's move on because I was
1: say let's shift
0: away from that a little bit no we 're going to go to a much more <laughs> uplifting segment here because retirement is about more than money, and we've talked about this before how we want people to live a fulfilled life in retirement, and that is once you hit that number of okay i've got my you know monthly distribution or I've got my income taken care of i don't need to worry about money anymore. does that mean you're going to live a happy retirement and Not necessarily. No, we've seen very wealthy people have miserable retirements. Now, they're not going to say it's miserable. Right.
1: I was going to say, I don't think people come right out and say that part.
0: No, but but they tell us, you know, "Eh, that's fine. You just get a different vibe, different attitude from them when you're having conversations before when they were working. So, yeah, you know, we've seen it. People often find themselves lost and, and we've talked about how gray divorce is on the rise. So that's why, you know, I feel like we got to talk about how to create a fulfilling retirement.
1: Which is funny and kind of crazy that you say that because I came across an article about Steve and his wife, Karen. They recently retired, but it jumped out at me because it was, we've discovered we each need to cave a cave to call our own. In retirement. So it's like they want to be together, but they still need their own space. Yeah,
0: I see that.
1: I mean, that makes sense. I think that would probably help avoid some of those great divorces.
0: Yeah. And I I love the quote from the article. If we did anything right to prepare for retirement together, it was to build out caves where we can be apart.
1: I like that they call them caves. I don't know why. Was, Just picture a little cave, little well, dark
0: room. Well, the funny thing, you know, they always, you've heard the term man cave before, and I guess that Karen was looking She's for like, a, I
1: also want my cave.
0: A, I think she called it a she den, or a. Because if she tried to type in woman cave, it didn't come up. It didn't up. come up. Nope, but.
1: It's only a man cave.
0: She den <laughs> came up. But, you know, they, they love to spend time together, but they do need their hope. space where they could be alone because. You know, as they talk about, the first year of retirement is often the most difficult, the biggest transition.
1: As is the first year of marriage. I wouldn't say that yeah. about
0: the Rankin household, but hey, <laughs> that's just me. This is one side.
1: Our our first year was wedded bliss, is what he means.
0: So I'm getting greys. I don't want to have a gray divorce. Well,
1: I don't either. I don't think See? anybody sets out to have one. No,
0: I don't think so either. But uh, one of the things that they talked about in the article that was this older article that was titled... Why Too Much Togetherness Can Ruin Retirement. And it was was this concept of parallel play. Now, I love that they used, in this article, and we'll link to all this in the show notes, to me they used the worst analogy ever. And I want to read this (laughs) report. You were really
1: bothered by this. (laughs) I really
0: was. It says, try watching two children in a sandbox. A boy playing with toy trucks and a girl using a pail and shovel to build sandcastles. Chances are that the toddlers will be quite content. They'll be next to each other or moving further apart. Silent at times and babbling to themselves or each other at other times, they will no doubt resolve minor disagreements if they occur. Whereas they would probably be fighting if they tried to play with the same toy in that sandbox. They, okay. They they clearly don't have children. I
1: was gonna say yeah, they've never witnessed two children play.
0: As uh, as parents of uh, a five and a six year old, no matter what, they could be playing with their separate toys. If they're in the same sandbox, they're going to fight about each other's toys.
1: No matter what. No matter what. Without question.
0: Now, if we're doing something wrong, if we if, if our kids are the outlier there and they're not supposed to be fighting, please uh, send us an email and tell us how can we fix yeah, that. Yeah, or
1: if yeah, i was gonna say if you know how to prevent that.
0: Yeah, but we're, we're uh, open to that as well. I get the point. You know, they're they're talking about this concept of parallel play where, you know, individuals who you know they they want to have their own space, their own interests, their own things to do, because there have been studies that showed that people who are do everything together, who are joined at the hip, are usually unsatisfied or unfulfilled as couples, whereas spouses that do have their own interests and you know have new skills that they're developing, they're a lot happier. And so you know, I think bringing this up in this retirement show is really about creating that retirement happiness. And as you're thinking about going into retirement, if you're married, then it's something that you need to start playing for that you're going to be spending a lot more time with your spouse.
1: You need to be thinking about your cave. <laughs> That's
0: right. Build out your cave or your she-den. Or your she-den.
1: I think they should just both be called caves.
0: You want a, the male cave?
1: Well, I just think it it should just be cave. <laughs> just, you know, it doesn't have to be man cave, but
0: just I cave. digress.
1: Okay, back, okay. back Either
0: on. way, find your space, but think about, you know, in the, in the first part we were talking about, okay, how are you going to invest? What are you going to invest in? How's the market going to do? But that aside, you can't control that, but you can control, all right, what's your plan for what are you going to do in retirement? How are you going to spend this time? You know, How are you and your spouse or your partner going to spend this time together to make sure that you're both happy? Because,
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, I love you, but if we had to spend every day together, I think you'd grow tired of me. I would never grow tired of you.
1: No, I think it would yeah. it would be tough. I think you, it would be
0: tough. I would be perfectly happy and content. <laughs> All right. I would be so happy. That is my dream when I think about my retirement is just to follow your... To be your joined imp, at the hip. To be joined <laughs> at the hip. But uh, make sure you're thinking about these things as you're planning your retirement because we want you to live a happy, happy life, happy retirement, and really be fulfilled. And think about retirement as more than money. And that's the the biggest takeaway. It is more than money. It is. Once you get that solved, there's only so many times you can solve how much you need for retirement and when you're going to take social security and all those other financial concepts. And once
1: that's all answered,
0: once that's all answered, you still have to spend time with your spouse. Fill the days. That's right. So think about those things. And while you're at it, While you're thinking about those things, what do we want you to do?
1: We want you to subscribe.
0: That's right. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure you subscribe to our weekly retirement newsletter. And with that, I'm Jonathan Rankin.
1: And I'm Melissa Rankin. Thank you so much for joining us.